where it all began. I was born in the 1980s in um, southeast London in a place called New Cross. And back then, <laughs> back then definitely, this was somewhere that my, some would have described as being a rough area. And I mention this because one of the early messages that I remember being told by my mum as a child is that it doesn't matter where you're coming from, that you can achieve anything you put your mind to. And this is something that I think has really encouraged me throughout the time. And it's a message that we hear constantly from Apostle in this house. I'm sure you all recognize if it's thinkable, it's doable. And it's along the same themes. And the scripture here that um, kind of backs this up is Philippians 4.13, which talks about, um, I can do all this through Christ who strengthens me. So really, as Christians, we need to remember that there are no limits. The only limits that exist are the ones that we put on ourselves. Um, next slide, please. All right. So I'll move on to the teenage years. I don't know, is boffin still a term that people use in this day and age? What, what do you call someone that is a bit keen and, you know, huh? Neek. Geek. Oh, okay. Well, back then we used to call it a boffin. But I was proudly a boffin because I thank God for good guidance. Even back then, I saw education as a key to um, achieving success in the future. And so I thankfully didn't fall into the trap of trying to impress friends and as a result uh, kind of failing my exams. So I saw I was proudly a boffin and this is also the same period that I joined CFT, CFT Sunday School and I would say that this is the first time that I started becoming engaged in church. So it's the first time that I started actually listening to the teachings of Christ and um, what it means to be a Christian and to walk in a godly way. Um, and I want to touch on the third point, which is about friendship groups, because I specifically remember in year nine having to make a conscious decision to um, distance myself from a particular group of friends that were going down the wrong path. And I mean the wrong path that they were more interested in bunking off school and smoking, cigarettes, weed, and I just knew that this will lead in destruction. And this was easier for me to do because outside of school, I, was, I had a support system and I had a group of friends, mainly in church, who were like-minded and who were godly and Christians and, you know, um, interested in achieving success, both spiritually and in academics. And so I just want to encourage all young people who find themselves in this position because it happens every day. You know, you've got a group of friends, you may feel like you want to give in to peer pressure, make the right decision. And the way to do that more easily is by surrounding yourself with people who will be encouraging and, you know, encourage you to do the right thing. And um, the scripture here that I want to highlight, oh, you can't see it, but it's 1 Corinthians 15:33, which says, do not be deceived, bad company corrupts good character. Okay, um, this was also the point where I decided what degree I wanted to do at university. So I went to a university trip, one of these gifted and talented schemes. I went to, um, I think it was Oxford or Cambridge, and um, I was looking for a subject that incorporated maths, but wasn't maths, because I was convinced that um, maths will just have a lot of proofs and things that I wasn't really interested in. I enjoyed maths a lot as a child, but it was more the problem-solving element of it. And um, I came across computer science at this university, 
And since then, my goal became to um, go to university to do computer science. And um, I knew that to do that, I needed to get good grades in my GCSEs. And some of you may be wondering why, okay, you can't see the Nokia phone, okay, uh, or the dark and lovely jam. You may be wondering why that's on there. But it's because as teenagers, sometimes we allow ourselves to be distracted by things that really shouldn't be distracting us. And even though I knew that I needed to study hard to get good grades and, you know, go to um, do my A-levels and on to university, I allowed myself to be to kind of spend maybe a bit too much time on things that I shouldn't be, like talking on the phone. We didn't have all the smartphones or social media back then, but we had good old Nokias. Um, and on my results day, I wanted A-stars, but I didn't get one A-star, and that was a big blow for me. I didn't get below a B, but I didn't get one A-star. Um, so I was, quite, I was quite down, but... I thank God because I didn't dwell on it. What it did was it made me to be more determined and, um, you know, gave me a new zeal to kind of make sure that I focus on my A-levels and just really kind of put my head down. Um, next slide, please. All right, so on to further education. I actually went to a boarding sixth form in East Sussex, which was a very interesting experience, good experience. Um, and thankfully, I was able to stay focused, and I got all A's in my A-levels. Um, I then went on to the University of Birmingham to study computer science with business management at Birmingham. <laughs> um, and at this point, it was in my second year of um, university that I would say that I really decided to serve God properly because I was reading Revelation 3:15 to 16, and I'll read it now. It says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And I remember I was sitting in my room, and I was never the kind of bad girl, but I was sitting in my room, and I just thought, wow. I, that scripture seriously convicted me, and I just said to myself, you need to be serious. You need to take God seriously and the things of God seriously. And I used to do a Sunday job, but I dropped those um, hours. And I think CFT Birmingham um, kind of recently at that time moved to an area where my sister was going to and was living. So I started going to CFT Birmingham and joined the choir and decided that I'm going to be more serious um, in my walk with Christ. Uh, internship experience. This is during my second year. I knew that I needed to get some work experience because my professional um, I didn't have any professional work experience. And so I was praying to God that, yeah, I need to get an internship. And I was going to lots of presentations to try and find a company that I would want to apply for. And I went to a particular presentation and I was completely blown away by this company. And I applied. I didn't know who they were at the time, but I was impressed by the presentation. I applied. And Bear in mind, this was my first professional interview. The date that they gave me for the interview, I think the weekend before, we were doing a program at church. And let's say it was the weekend, and then the interview was on the Monday. And I thought, oh gosh, what should I do? Should I just kind of excuse myself? It was like an all-day thing. Should I excuse myself to study, or what should I do? And this happened on the second round as well. But I think the second round was even more um, kind of severe, because it was a crusade in Birmingham, and Apostle was coming. And 
I really did think, I was conflicted because I thought, should I just excuse myself and make sure that I study hard and, you know, um, prepare for the interview? It's a good enough reason. But then something said to me, hold on, who gave you this opportunity? Isn't it the God that you serve? So are you going to neglect the things of God so that you can kind of go and try and prepare in your own might? And I thank God I did go to the crusade and I did what I could in terms of preparations and I got the internship. So this is just to encourage us that we shouldn't neglect the things of God in our pursuit for, you know, the secular things. You need to make sure that you're still devoted to God. Um, and next slide, please. Okay. So I then went on to the graduate program in that firm um, and it's actually, uh, I work in technology in finance. So it's always been a hybrid role. So started off mainly computer programming with business analysis. And then over the years, added um, a project management element and then um, people management. And in this firm, this is the technology career path. And um, by God's grace, I am now a vice president. And then the next, praise God. Then the ones greyed out in orange are, you know, the next steps. And God willing, one day. <laughs> um, so I've always worked, for my whole professional career, I've worked at the same firm. But it has varied a lot over the years. Um, but last year, I felt like I needed a, a bigger change, a new, a new um, role. And, but I liked the company. So by the grace of God, I was able to get a, um, a new job in a different team. And I took internal mobility. And um, that's the team I'm in now. And these are just some of the things that I'm involved in, some of the extracurricular things that I'm involved in um, at work. So I'm actually part of the people who now go to University of Birmingham and organize the things that got me in. And European Women in Technology, for all the females, just a little plug, don't ignore the STEM subjects, science, technology, engineering, math. We need more women. Come on board. <laughs> um, and I think... Just before I move on to the last slide, I just want to highlight a few things in the key lessons there. And it's really just the, the scripture for YPIC, Habakkuk 2.2, um, it talks about having a plan, writing the vision and making it plain. And it's really just to encourage us to have a plan. Because looking back over my professional career, I would say that there have been times where I could have progressed much quicker if I just had a better plan. And not only had the plan, but when I do have the plan, had the confidence to execute it. And it's funny, you know, saying that because we know who lives inside us. We, you know, I read the scripture that says that, you know, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. But sometimes you need to remind yourself that, do you know what? You do have Christ, so you can do anything that you set out to do. But then you need to make sure that you have the confidence to execute the plan. Um, and you're in control of your career. Take responsibility. The most interested person in your career is going to be you, so you need to make sure that you take that responsibility. Um, final slide, please. So I like to end with this scripture because I think it really does sum it up. And it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. And really, this just kind of sums it all up. You can't achieve anything 
by neglecting the things of God. You need to make sure that you're devoted to God. We all need to be devoted in our service to God, in our relationship with God, to unlock the success that you need in the other areas of your life. God bless you. Thank you very much, Sister Toyin. Can I please call Brother Temi? Let's give him a round of applause as he comes up. Praise God. Okay. Um, I just want to say thanks to Pastor for giving me the grace to actually come and talk to everyone here today. And thanks to Apostle and Mommy Emma as well for giving us the grace to stand on this holy altar. It's not, um, it's, it's a privilege, basically, and I'm grateful for it. So, um, go on to the next slide, please. So, that's the outline of my presentation today. Um, on to the next one, please. Okay, the next one, childhood to teenage age, the days of living in Nigeria. Um, I was actually born in the UK, um, but for some reason, I was shipped back to Nigeria. I don't know why. Um, I asked my parents why. I don't know why. But um, Psalm 39, verse 13, the scripture at the bottom there says, um, it talks about the fact that before God formed you, I'm actually paraphrasing here, sorry. He knitted you together. And then Jeremiah 29, 11 also talks about the fact that God has a plan for you and he has a destiny for you. The fact is that whether I'm in Nigeria or whether I'm here, it doesn't matter. God's plan will always still come to pass. And there is nothing you want to do or you want to achieve in life you can't get to. God always has his own agenda and his plan is always perfect. So, um, growing up in Nigeria, I've always been a hard worker in terms of I knew what I wanted out of life. And I knew what I wanted to like, achieve and how I'm going to achieve it. Um, I did my SSC... It's called GCSE, apparently, isn't it? Great. But when I saw your maps, actually, I was thinking, oh, my God, if I did my GCSE, I think I'll be, I'll be dusting it really bad. If you do maps in Nigeria, it's a different level. Um, um, and then, um, obviously, the next slide talks about being innovative and very business-minded. Um, and you've got the picture. Apostle was asking me, why did I put a white man there? Because I'm a black man, um, but that's a little child like with business, sort of like business-minded person. But I've always been business-minded, and um, at the age of about between 12 and 13, I would work with my mom and go everywhere with her because she was a businesswoman. And um, my aunt is here actually. My one of my uncles had a filling station, and you will laugh about this one. In Nigeria, whenever there is no fuel, they have um, crisis about fuel, whatever happens. My uncle has got a fuel station. We sell like quarter of the, of the fuel. The remaining 75% is all black market. So we sell it like four times the original price, which is a bit of a joke. It shouldn't happen anyway. But um, I was involved in so much of that from a very young age. And whatever I get back, I just give it to my mom and say to her, like, this is what. But I've always just, and I've always been the one always, always just pushing myself out to do all these things. Um, next slide, please. Salvation journey. Um, it's been an interesting one, but the scripture there in is, um, Romans 10, verse 9 to 
10, it says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and you are justified. And it's with your mouth that you confess your faith and you are saved. There is no other name apart from Jesus. I tell you this today. You want to get through in life. You want to make in life. You put God first. The moment you start believing in the things of this world and you, fors- and you forsake your first love, which is Christ, you've lost it completely. Growing up as a child, um, I remember my mom would wake us up very early in the morning at 6 a.m., wake us up at 12 at midnight and telling us to pray, read the Bible, read various Psalms and, and things like that. I thought it was like punishment. It was very, very hard going to school. She would tell us to read scriptures and so many things. And it was, it was very, very difficult. So coming back to the UK, I lost all of those principles. And I, was, I came back to the UK at a very young age, about 17, I think, 18, 17, 18. Um, lost all of those principles. And I joined a church in the UK. And I told you, it was the worst church ever. I'm sorry to say this. I wouldn't mention their name. But what actually made me leave was the fact when I saw pastor and the church members exchanging words and arguing about money, I thought, no, I don't want to be here. And I just want to thank God for the day that God made me work into CFT. My aunt has always told me to come, Dickness Joker. She's always told me to come to CFT, and I was like, no, I'm not coming. But I thank God for the day I walked into this church because that was a turnaround in my life. Um, and I would move on to the next slide very quick, career progression. If you have a look at the next slide there, when I came back to the UK, I went, I went to college and I asked them, I said I wanted to do mechanical engineering. And God knows, God blessed that lady who spoke to me, so-called career advisor. And she told me to go and do motor vehicle maintenance and repair, which, mean, which meant that fact that I was actually ended up being a mechanic. And it's way, way, way out of what I wanted to achieve in life. But like I said to you, God always has a plan. I think, as far as I'm concerned, God made me do that course because today I can fix a car. I can pull the engine apart and put it back together. And from there, I'm running a business as well. So um, I've got a car business I do. And I also sell car parts, vehicle parts. I do so many things. But if I didn't do that individual course, I wouldn't be able to do that. Moving on to university, when I joined CFT and I sat on that puzzle for about two, three months, that changed my view completely. To be honest, no one taught me. I sort of left college after two and a half years because I was at college and I was working as well. And I left college. I thought, this is not for me. So I applied to Kingston University to do a foundation degree in mechanical engineering. And I remember the course director seeing me and he said to me, no, I can't take you on. Give me one reason why I should take you on. You haven't got A-levels. My WIAC results were very, very good, by the way, not GCSE was like, you're fresh from Nigeria, and um, how am I going to take you on? But um, it gave me a condition. It said if I'm able to get A's in maths, in um, science, and there was further maths as well. If I'm able to get clear A in all those three subjects, then I'm through to the next stage. And I worked really, really hard, extremely hard. I cleared everything 100%. Then he took me on to do B.A.N.G. in mechanical engineering, and I finished that. Did really well. That was it. Thank God for that. In terms of career progression, one thing I would say to you is that talk to people, um, have conversations. Don't don't be in the dark. I mean, have a chat with people. Someone that I really respect that was a mentor for me in this church, he's a mechanical engineer, is Pastor Lewis. I sit with him at least once a week. 
and I suck out everything out of him. I'm telling you, there is a scripture I apostle quoted yesterday that talks about um, um, bow before the aged or something. I can't remember what, what the exact scripture is, but I'm telling you, the older people bow before them. They've got so much wisdom. They've got so much that you can tap into that would make you, that would turn your life around. You need, the, you need God, obviously, but obviously you need people to give you direction as well. Some of you have got your parents. Some of us haven't. And those of you who have got your parents, they might not be experienced in the same area, but you need to have conversations with people. So in terms of my career progression, um, I started working on Thames Inc. program as a project coordinator. That's not what I really wanted to do. I had an engineering mind and engineering knowledge. But I was able to get onto that role, starting as an asset engineer, looking at mechanical and electrical components. Um, and then from there, I moved into program and project delivery. And um, at the moment, I'm a deputy head for um, rail and transport. So I've got a team of about 150 people working under myself. And um, it's mainly managing um, a business, really. It's, it's hard work. Um, when I got the job, I asked myself if I could do this. Um, but his divine grace has given us everything that we need. And there's a scripture there, Ecclesiastes 10, verse 10. It says that if the axe is dull, and um, I can't, more, more strength is needed. So don't stop learning. So when I finished uh, my, well, moving on, I've done so many other courses. Um, I've gone back to uni, done a, um, a degree of MSc in construction engineering and management. I've done business management and leadership, program management, construction safety. I just do everything. You learn so much from it, but you need it. Because where you're going you would need to like demonstrate the fact that you've got clear direction and you've got things that you want to achieve and you can explain how you've got there. Um, and then next slide, please. I'm going to rush through this very quick. In terms of other activities, I learned this from Pastor Elizabeth. Get ahead and give back. So life is not just all about you. It's not all about me, 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 me. No, you need to give back. You need to assist people. So part of what I do, I go to schools, I go to universities, I speak to people, I speak to young individuals, I mentor people, I train people in maths because I'm very good at maths. So get ahead and give back. Next slide, please. Um, the next one is about other activities as well. I'll do. So I talked about the fact that I do a lot of businesses. Um, I'm always open for business. As long as it's not fraud, as long as it's nothing dodgy and it's nothing shady, if you bring fraud to me, I'll slap you with my backhand. <laughs> Um, but obviously, for those of you that are operating business, have a plan. Um, don't just invest stupidly. When you invest into a business, think about your return on investment. Think about your overhead cost. You don't want to invest in a business, and three or four months down the line, you're not getting your returns. Then if you get a loan from the bank, you're in trouble. Um, and then next slide, please. In terms of future aspirations, where do I want to be? Um, keep going. Um, that scripture there says, Ecclesiastes 10, verse 5 to 7, there is an evil I've seen under the sun, the sword of error that arises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions, while the rich occupy the lower ones. I've seen slaves on horseback, while princes go on foot like horse slaves. One of, so I'm about to start my MBA program. I was meant to start in September, but I'm starting in January now. Um, and that's part of my future plan. But I've put the CEO of a global organization, Someone said, how are you going to get there? You're a black man. If it's thinkable, it's doable. There is nothing like racism. It's all in the mind. You need to work hard. 
to get to where you want to be. Um, and then, obviously, an industry leader providing coaching and mentoring. And I'm looking forward to setting up a construction firm as well. Next slide, please. Sorry, just three minutes more. Sorry. This is useful information for, for um, anyone who wants to go into engineering, by the way. I always wanted a job that would allow me to travel. But now I'm transforming the way everyone travels. And making UK rail faster than ever. I always wanted the best toy in the box. This one's a thousand tons and lays a kilometre of track and night. It's awesome. I want to show the world that Britain can still lead the way in technology. My data systems make travel smarter and safer. My friends always used to say I was a control freak. But when you've got 40 trains on your network at rush hour, control is everything. I want to create components built to transform 21st century travel. My research gives the industry cutting-edge products and gives me the job I love. I want to be part of the team making the big decisions. Sometimes a whole infrastructure project can depend on the solutions I provide. I want to look back on my career and think, I really did something. And every time I look at the scale of this project, I think I have. It's about being part of an incredible team with so many talented people dedicated to the same goal. It's about walking through an awe-inspiring workplace and knowing this is my office. It's everything I ever wanted. Can you go to the next slide, please? Don't worry about the rest of it. I'm really sorry, Pastor. I'm almost done. Thank you. Next, next slide, please. Just go on to the next one. Okay, picture scope, no. No. Next one. Can you end the slide and then pull up the next one? Like, whilst they're doing that, majority of you don't know about opportunities that are actually out there in the industry, in the real industry. And most of you are leaders. There's so much for you that you can actually do. So if you want to get into that, I'm not going to go into details, um, but see, come and talk to me after, and I'll put you through. But that slide over there just gives you another view in terms of the sort of investment in the rowing industry. There's so many investments in the rowing industry today. Um, come and talk to me, and I'll put you through in terms of what you need to do. Um, and move on to the next one, please. That just gives you some sort of... Um, well, this actually talks about, so in the rowing industry at the moment, we've got a problem. 
Um, 60, 40% of like um, professionals in the industry are retiring very shortly, and there are not many people to actually fit into those, into those roles. So come and talk to me anyway. I would, um, I'll go through that with you. And in conclusion, next slide, please. Um, plan for your journey. Always believe in yourself. Don't deceive yourself like Apostle says to us all the time. And then hard work and commitments to God always bring success. Always measure and assess yourself all the time. So plan, have a plan, do check and always act upon your plan all the time. And on a final note, the last one, life itself is a teacher and we're all in a constant state of learning. Thank you for listening. God bless you. I hope that you found that session quite informative. I think it's something that we're going to try and do more often um, so that more young people in the church who actually don't know about the opportunities out there can. And I'd just like to let everyone know that even as a church, we have abided to the government's current objective for STEM. So we have spoken about science, technology, engineering and maths in today's session. So next year we might do something more along the accountancy and legal track as well. So at this juncture, oh, just before I invite the drama team, I would like to say delay is not denial. The people that have given you presentations today have been working at their careers for a number of years. So let's not try and eat the potato whilst it's hot. Wait for it to cool down. And we will all get there in Jesus' name. So I'd like to invite the drama team. Can we have some help from some of the gentlemen to help to move the pulpit, please? Testing. Thank you. Praise God. It's just a uh, we're a youth drama team, and we're going to do a short sketch, just talking about devotion and. The focus that we need to have in order to overcome the enemy. I pray that it's a blessing to you and we all hope that this ministers to you. Um, we pray that you enjoy it. Thank you. Let's go back into that first chronicle. First Chronicles 29, 
or 28 from verse 9. You know, the verse 9 is not the key, is not the key verse of this scripture, but is um, the conclusion of the scripture. But if you look at the scripture itself, from verse 8, it says, So now I charge you in the sight of all Israel and of all assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of our God. Be careful to follow all the commands of the Lord your God that you may possess this good land and pass it on to your inheritance for your descendants to come. Then verse 9 says, And you, Solomon, acknowledge the Lord, the God of your father, and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Now I want us to have the, in our mind as we go on from this hour, the verse 8 and verse 10. And tonight I want to talk to you about your destiny. Your destiny. The first thing that we'll look at in destiny is this. Your destiny, the destiny of every man has been ordained by God. You will recognize that some of the scriptures I'll be reading was read by Brother Timmy while he was reading his scriptures and the drama as well. Psalm 139, how, how true is it that God ordains the destiny of everybody? If you look at Psalm 139 verse 13, it says, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depth of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me. We are written in your book before one of them came to be. If you look at this scripture in the book of Psalm, you will recognize that the Bible reveals God as the one who he knew us before we were formed. He was the architect of the way we are. He designed us and manufactured us according to what he had programmed. And God cannot create a waste. God cannot create something that has no purpose. 
even as you discover in our, in our world today that many years ago there are many ways we throw away. But we have come to discover values for those wastes. That even now, we are producing electricity from wastes. We are producing the manures that will help grow our food from wastes. I want to tell you this, and have this conviction in your heart, that there is a God in heaven who formed you, who designed you, who molded you, and he created you according to the plans of his heart. That's the first thing. What about people who, are, who have deformity? Yes. God created you. He molded you. And he formed you. If we look at, during the week I was telling you about um, one of the greatest men ever used by God. His name was Moses. God created Moses to be a stammerer. Very, very strong stammerer. He is not a person who was eloquent, who could speak or express himself. But when God would call a deliverer, he called Moses. And when God called Moses, Moses began to argue with God. He gave several excuses, and his major excuse is his deformity. And during that a discussion in chapter 4, of uh, Exodus, God said to Moses, who gave man the mouth that makes him stammer? Is it not I, God? And we understand from that that our deformity is not, be, is not you know, without the knowledge of God. And also, if God will perform a deformity in a person that is born by it, it is for the glory of God to be manifest. There was a brother in Nigeria who came past through England some time ago. He was born without full hands and he has just stomp hands, you know. And his hand is so short, just half of the, the um, not, not up to the elbow size. And then he doesn't have fingers. He has only one finger. And this man with one finger on the, on the short hand in both hands, went to university, graduated in university with flying color, and he set up a movement for the handicaps. While he was here, you discovered that he would not allow you to carry his briefcase. He would use that finger to carry his briefcase. What happened to humanity is that when a person is born with a deformity, God had programmed our brain in such a way that in a short time, our brain will master that deformity. And we will bypass the deformity and still do everything that others were doing. What he didn't like is for anyone to have compassion on him or to look him as a lesser man than others. So he did, he did everything by himself to the place of becoming a graduate with a very flying color. So I'm saying that whatever happens to you, cannot hinder your destiny. God is faithful to the destiny he had given to man. 
And because whatever happened to you, maybe you were born in a, you know, the way you were born wasn't okay. Maybe you were born with deformity. Maybe you were born complete. Maybe there was a dispute, you know, between your parents when you were born. Maybe you were rejected by your father. And there's a controversy whether you are legitimate or you are not legitimate. Even maybe you were born by a prostitute. You don't know who your father is. You cannot trace him. All those things cannot hinder destiny. God is still faithful. Within today and Friday, we'll be looking into some people who were not, you know, probably they were illegitimate or they were handicapped and how God worked out his purpose in them. But tonight, we want to look very briefly to the life of a man called Solomon. Because the scripture that you read, you know, that First Corinthians uh, Chronicles chapter 28 from verse 8, it was David speaking to his son Solomon. And I want us to look at the life of Solomon in parallel with the promise of God. And when I'm teaching you about this, I want you to also remember the play and the two testimonies of the brother and the sister who spoke with you before I came in. Number one, God's plan. God has a plan for you and I, and his plan does not change. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 it says, for I know the plans I have towards you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and the future. You must be convinced that the plans of God for you cannot change. Now, second thing is this. You, what God plans for you, can never be carried out by somebody else. You don't have a double. God designed each person and placed each person and ordained each person and God's ordination for each person. If you don't fulfill your ordination, that part will, will be left unfulfilled. And this is the reason why we need to understand about destiny. That scripture helps me to understand that God has a plan for us. And in that scripture also, it says a plan... To prosper us. God wants every human being to prosper. The intention of God and the design of God for every man is to prosper. He says, my plans for you is to prosper. Plan to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. The plans of God does not harm a man. And the plans of God always give hope for a future. But when God makes plans for human beings and God ordains a destiny for you, as you understand that God does not change in his ordination, the decision God has for you, he cannot change it. Let me help you understand this before we move into the other realm. Do you know that even when you commit sin, you fall away, you walk away from God, God's plan for you remains. Because God is still waiting for you that you will come back one day. That is the reason why when people fall away or people get away from God and they come back to God, God still works His plan on for them. God is like a father. 
if your earthly father has a plan for you, when you misbehave and you disobey, he will rebuke you, he will chastise you. But the plan he has for you, he cannot change it. No father will say that, okay, I, I will never do what I want to do for you anymore because you became promiscuous. What the father will do is that he will punish you, okay, and he will expect you to come back one day and repent. And the moment you come back to him, he will, the plan he had for you will still be executed by him. If human beings can do that, God does better. The plans of God for you does not change. But you see, why do we have some people die without fulfilling destiny? Why do we have some people live very miserable life without reaching this double-edged operation? <coughs> As God designs a destiny, God made provision for destiny. The man have obligation to destiny. And it is in the obligation to destiny that many people fail. Now, let's look at a few obligations. In the Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 12, having God said in verse 11, I know my plans towards you, declares the Lord, the plans to prosper you, not to harm you, the plans to give you hope and a future. In verse 12, it says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Verse 14 says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. If we compare that with 1 Corinthians that we read, in the book of 1 Corinthians, in chapter 28, 1 Chronicles, I mean, Chronicles chapter 28, it says, And you, my son, verse 9, Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands the motive behind the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Now understand there are three major uh, obligations that God spoke in these scriptures. The first one is that for God to be able to fulfill your destiny, you must have fellowship with God. Fellowship with God. The second thing is that you must be a person who communicates with God in prayer. And the, the third one is that you must be a God seeker. You must be somebody who has fellowship with God. You must be a prayerful person. And you must be a God seeker. Now, all the characters will be looking till Sunday. You'll be seeing these qualities in them. There are people who seek God. There are people who pray to God regularly. There are people who have personal relationship with God. And if you can keep these three things, it is impossible for your destiny to be frustrated. All the plays that they have been doing, the one the play you saw today, the testimony of the, the first two uh, brethren who, who spoke about their career, how God took them from where they are to where they, where they were to where they are. 
you will understand these principles there. Let's look at Solomon. God said to Solomon, the father of Solomon told Solomon, David, that acknowledge the God of your father. This is David speaking. Serve him with wholehearted devotion and with willing mind, not under compulsion. Your relationship with God must be a voluntary relationship. It says, for the Lord searches the heart. All right? And understand every motive behind the thoughts. And what is scripture saying to us there? Everything that you do, God sees the action, but he understands the thoughts behind the action. Make sure that all your actions are motivated by the written word of God. Make sure whatever you do in your mind, you are doing it for the Lord. If you apply this to every aspect of your life, you will not make much blunders. Now, let me say this. During um, the people who, give, who came back to the Lord yesterday, we had 20 of them yesterday who, who you know, raised up their hands and they came back to the Lord. And I had a meeting with them just a few minutes before we came in here at 6.30. Now, there are some questions they were asking. One of them said, how can I stop things that distract me? How can I stop the things that distract me? The things that entice me? And as young people, you know there are so many things that have been set up by men. But Satan uses them against you. To waste your time and you get yourself engaged in things for hours which does not add value to your life. Or you get engaged with things all the time that pollutes your mind and causes you to sin. And after some time, you get to a place where you think you cannot get yourself, you can't break loose from those things. But the fact is simple. It's your mindset. It's your mindset. Whatever you decide in your mind becomes a, a function of your heart. Thoughts go in your mind. Decision goes from your mind into your heart. It is the decision of man that is responsible for actions of man. Not the thoughts. So by thinking, you cannot sin. But if you think, and then you accept the thoughts, and you make decisions out of the thoughts, that is what, de what determines whether you are sinning or you are not sinning. So therefore, if somebody has an attitude that wastes his life, how can you stop it? Make up your mind. Make up your mind. You know, I was saying this to them. In your life journey, every action comes by thinking and thoughts that becomes a decision. Will you stop trying to imagine what goes on in other people's minds? And you will help yourself of wasting most volume of your human mind. When situations happen between you and people, most times, a, a lot of people would like to interpret that this is what he means by doing that. I'm very, very sure. You can't be sure of that. Are you with me now? What has happened, what the person has done, you may not like it, it may not be good. But when you address issues, address issues as they are. 
Do not try to go beyond your human ability to try to do what God ought to do. It is only God who knows the heart of man, who knows the mind of man. If you can deal with human beings this way, you would have less headache. A lot of people have boycotted human beings that God assigned for destiny with them because they made such mistakes. Your mind is the battlefield of all the voices that speak to you. Decision comes from the heart, but the thoughts of man is in his mind. Now, if you apply this to your destiny as a believer, God said to Moses, uh, to Solomon, through David, acknowledge me, the God of your father. And then God said, look, because I'm God, don't serve me haphazardly. Don't choose and pick how you will serve me. Serve me with wholehearted devotion. Devote yourself, your whole being, to my service. And God said, you see, the reason is because I don't judge people according to their thinking But I judge people according to the motive behind the thoughts. When you have a thought, what do you want to achieve by the thoughts? I judge people by the decision that they make out of the thought. The reason why the thought came, which is the motive for the thoughts, and then the action that comes thereafter. If you look at what God is saying here, It seems as if it is just only spiritual matters, but it's beyond. The same thing with career. You will see that in the testimonies of those people who spoke. They had privilege to waste their lives, or they wasted their life at a time, and then they woke up to consciousness that, no, I can't continue in this way. I will become a wretch. God looks at the motive behind your thought. Now, are you not going to be amazed in a few minutes before I stop that? Haven't God said to Solomon, if you seek me, you will find me. I'll be found by you. But if you forsake me, I will forsake you. The father told him that don't mess up with God. If you mess up with God, God will not pardon you. If you repent, he forgives you, but he will punish you for it. If you walk away from God, you are going to cause a journey of seven years. You are, going to, you are going to end up, you know, going that journey about 14 years. What you should achieve in a short time will be protracted and it will become a long-term achievement. Not only that, but which is much, a lot much struggle. Whereas, if you can compromise with God and you can set your heart fully to serve Him, you will glide. Now let's look at a few points about the beginning of Moses. Did uh, did Solomon. Did Solomon obey God or not? 1 Corinthians. Let's look at chapter 2. Second Chronicles, I mean, chapter 2. If you look at verse 1 of Second Chronicles chapter 2, after David died. And it, it was only Solomon 
The Bible says Solomon, son of David, established himself firmly over this kingdom. For the Lord, his God, was what? With him. And made him exceedingly great. Come on now. This is the beginning of Solomon. Why was God with him? He sought God with wholehearted devotion. He followed his father's God. He has seen the pattern of how his, God, his father served God. You know, Brother Timmy was saying that his mother always woke him up early in the morning to pray, late in the night to pray. But when he came back to England, he went into oblivion and things started going waywards. All right? Until God brought him back to the same place where what the mother was saying, he discovered that that is just it. Pray in the morning, pray at 12 midnight, pray at 6 a.m., pray at 3, pray at 12, pray at, at, at noon. And then he came back to the line and things began to happen. I wanted to watch this. When David died, from the life of David, Solomon obeyed God. He sought God with all his heart. And Solomon became exceedingly great by God. Then he says, then Solomon spoke to all Israel, to the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, to the judges and to all the leaders of Israel, the head of the families. And Solomon and the whole assembly went to the high place at Gibeon for God's tent of meeting was there. When Moses, which Moses, the Lord's servant, had made in the desert. Now, David had brought up the ark of God from Kiriath-Jerim to the place he had prepared for it because he had pitched a tent for it in Jerusalem. But the bronze altar that Bezaliel, son of Uri, the son of Hor, had made was in Gibeon in front of the tabernacle of the Lord. So Solomon and the assembly inquired of him, of, he, of the Lord there. Solomon went up to the bronze altar before the Lord in the tent, meeting, tent of meeting and offered a thousand burnt offering on it. That night, verse 7, God appeared to Solomon. You know why I read from verse 1 to verse 6? I only wanted you to understand how devoted Solomon was to God. Okay? What the Bible tells us is that Solomon did not, he did not play with church. He went to Gibeon. That is the church. That is the place where they go to worship God. He summoned the whole nation and led them to worship God. And because he did that, and on the day of his inauguration, he, after the inauguration, he lavished himself to sacrifice unto God. The Bible says that night God appeared to him. So God kept his bargain. If you can worship your God, the God of your father, with your wholehearted devotion, worship God, the God of your father, with your whole heart, for God searches the heart of man. He knows the motive behind everybody. As we're all sitting down here, God knows what each one have done before you came here. He knows what you did last week. 
He knows what you intend to do right now as you are sitting down here. Even when, when, when God is speaking, those who are listening, He knows them. Those who are not listening, He knows. Those who are wandering about, He knows them. Listen to me. But if you can wholeheartedly serve God, God will make you great. That night, God appeared to Solomon. That's the first appearance. Let us look at just a few verses on this appearance and I'll move you to the next one. It says, That night, God appeared to Solomon and said to Solomon, Ask for whatever you want or whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered God, You have shown great kindness to David my father and have made, made me king in his place. Now, Lord, Lord God, let your promise to my father David be confirmed. For you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead these people for who is able to govern these great people of yours. Can I help you understand something? How old do you think Solomon was when he was praying and God appeared to him? Yeah? Tell me. Yeah? No, he was 30. Solomon was 30. If you look at this, your youth, the youth definition here will, say, will take you from the age of 35 down. Jesus was studying when he started ministry. Solomon was studying when he started ministry. God can appear to the youth. That's what I'm telling you. If the youth can serve the God of his father with wholehearted devotion. That is, you saw the way apostle does things. You simulate it. You know, yesterday, one of you asked, what is the passion of apostle apart from God? And uh, somebody asked from mommy. Mommy said she is the next person. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. No, I said, no, no, no. The, the questioner said, no, I'm not talking about mommy or his family. What is the next person of apostle? You all have a consensus that my first person is God. Don't you? If anybody comes to me, even devil knows. Demons know, angels know, that if the passion I have on earth is thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I told all of you, what is my motivation? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. What is my uttermost intention? I told you. All of you must have intention. That before you drop dead, you must simulate Jesus on the face of the earth. You are the simulation of Jesus Christ on the face of the earth. In other words, everything Jesus manifested apart from the cross, which is his own destiny. The way Jesus lived, the way Jesus spoke, the way Jesus reacted, the way Jesus forgave, the way Jesus forget, the way Jesus you know, replied when they were accusing him. The Bible tells me that he shut his mouth up. He never replied. He allowed people to have all manners of views about him. He doesn't care about that. 
He did not allow what people say about him to determine what he will do at all. Because he knows who he is. And each time you challenge his sonship of God, he tells you, come on, I am the son of God. Several times he tells them. But someone says that um, you are a devil, that is his opinion. Someone says, somebody he healed now said, crucify him. That is all he can do. You must simulate Jesus Christ. Jesus was born, you know, the way Jesus was conceived. You read it in the book of Luke. When the father heard that he was, you know, the mother was pregnant, Joseph decided to put the, the wife away. Because how can a woman who is a virgin say she's conceived? It never happened in history. And you must understand what Mary went through. The man that they were planning for wedding just came and said that because an angel appeared to her, and she came and told the man, the man said, sorry, that's the end of it. So she went through everything that any woman who is the, could be disappointed went through. And Jesus was in the womb. Until the angel appeared to Joseph too. Look at what Jesus went through. The moment he was born, they were going to kill him. They have to take him away. And he became a refugee in Egypt, in Africa. Somebody says to me that, you know, you are an African man. You should go and worship the gods of Africa. And I say you are deaf and dumb. Blind and stigmatic. Astigmatic. Because Jesus Christ, the Bible says in the book of Matthew 3, that they took him to Africa. All right. And it was in Africa he learned his first language, Aramaic. To the extent that when he was going to command the, the, the dead to rise, he spoke in African language to the dead. Talita kumen. Arise. Damn, sir. So I said to that person, Jesus Christ is an African flesh and blood. He was typical African. Really, he was just a little bit lighter than me. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. <laughs> Listen to me. Your decision in life must be, you will be like Jesus completely. If you look at Jesus when he was to be born, he was not, they didn't have a place for him to be born, but in a manger. But from manger to glory, he did not allow any circumstance that surrounded his birth, his growing up, to hinder his destiny. So therefore, acknowledge the God of your father. The God I have presented to you is Jesus. Serving with wholehearted devotion. Don't follow the tide because it will make you great. I can hear someone say amen. <laughs> but look at this, my friend Solomon. So God appeared to Solomon. You know, you understand that anybody who seeks God with his heart, God can appear to you. I can't hear you. Yes. Now look at what he says here. He asked God for wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Now look at what God replied to him in verse 11. God said to Solomon, since this is your heart. Now this is the God of our Father that is being revealed here. Since it is your heart's desire and you have not asked for what? And what? And what? Those are the three things that shipwreck people. You know, you, you discussed about that yesterday. Don't allow your pursuits for riches to hinder your service to God. May God not give you a riches that will make you miss heaven. I can't hear your amen. Look at what it says. Verse 11. 
I want us to read it together. Shall we want to go? God said. I want to tell you this. All of you understand what made God, what causes God to make Solomon great. Why will God appear to Solomon? There is something in the heart of, God, of Solomon. He says, since this is your heart desire. What do you desire, I ask you? What you desire determines whether you fulfill God's destiny. If you desire wealth, you never get it. If you want fame, you will be disappointed. Listen to me. If you want riches or honor, you will be disappointed. But if you follow God and seek after God, all these things he will add to it. He is the one who can determine promotion. He is the one who can open doors for unemployment and make you see that employment at the time it's coming out. He is the one who can touch the heart of the employers and you are the only one they will accept. He's the one who can touch the heart of your lecturers and they will favor you when they are marking you. God is the one who can do all things, but you have to make sure that your priority in your heart is God, not business, not money, not honor, not fame. The easiest way to succeed in life is God. Let your heart set on Him. Listen to me. God said, because you have not set your heart on wealth or riches or honor. And you have not prayed for the death of your enemies. Born again. Enemies fall down and die. You are a devil if you pray that prayer. God does not want enemy to die. He created the enemies. It's Satan who only deceived them. Among them are evangelists to come. Prophets to come. You see what God is saying here. Your heart must not hate human beings. You hate the sin, but you love the man. Because God created all man in his own image. They may be called witches. They may be called warlords. It doesn't matter. They are God's image. They lost the likeness. We were sinners before we were saved, isn't it? Come on now, let's talk together. Is anybody here who was born righteous? So now we have entered the kingdom of God. Why should we pray for other people to die? It's from Satan. God wants everyone to be saved. God said to this man, tell me something. You know why God talked about the death of enemies? Because David, his father, is surrounded by enemies. Every day of his life he was in battle. To the extent that God told him that you are so bloody in your hand and I cannot allow such a bloody hand to build church for me, my temple. Your hand is so bloody. So, he should have asked God for the enemies for because he understands. Humanly, his understanding should be that the mo now my father is dead. All those people he has been dealing with, they are coming after me. Isn't it? Come on now, let's speak. That is what he will have thought as ordinary man. Even some Christians will tell him such. If it was a time of, uh, you know, if Solomon was alive now and David was his father, with all what the father did to the enemies, 
I'm sure that some prophets will tell David, uh, Solomon, that, you know, thus yet the Lord, the enemies of your father are coming against you. Hallelujah. <laughs> but you know something? Though he might have thought about that, but he understood the principle. That the principle is not the enemies. The principle is to be like God. Give me out of your wisdom. With the wisdom of God, he can overcome enemies. Give me out of your knowledge. With the knowledge of God, nothing can hinder his progress. So he asked God for wisdom and knowledge. And God said, because you didn't ask for wealth, you didn't ask for riches, you didn't ask for honor, neither did you ask for the death of your enemies. Okay? God said, Therefore, wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. Listen, wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. Can I say this to you? If anybody seeks God with all his heart, he increases in knowledge. There is nobody who seeks God and he doesn't have knowledge. Impossible. I have told you folks, if any one of you want to be a pastor, first make sure that you are a graduate. I hope I'm understood. I can't hear you. Because if you fail in school and extend you out of school, how can you help others to pass? Answer me. If you are not educated, whatever career that you are, you should excel in that career. And of course, in England, why should you not be educated? In England, education is just all over the whole place. Oh, yes. You can read at any age. They even made it easy for a person who never read. They call it mature students. Hallelujah. The meaning of mature student is that your age is equivalent to A-level. You didn't get what I said. Your age is equivalent to A-level. Even now, they are also saying that your years of working is equivalent to first degree. And you can apply for master's degree without having first, first degree. Yes. Are we together now? If you see God, He will give you wisdom. He will give you knowledge. If you have wisdom of God and knowledge of God, you can achieve anything under heaven. Anything is possible. And God now said, the wisdom will now bring you wealth. The wisdom will now bring you riches. Not only that, the wisdom, the wisdom will give you victory over your enemies. Just... I think 10 minutes, I'm finishing. He said, but then also, I will give you long life. Therefore, wisdom and knowledge, verse 12, will be given to you, and I will also give you wealth, riches, and honor, such as no king who was before you ever had, and known after you will have. What distinct... Solomon, he sought God with all his heart. In his heart, he sought God. His father has told him that. You see, when you go to God and you are talking to God, God is not listening just to what you are saying. God is looking at the motive behind what you are saying. And if God will answer you, he will not answer you according to your words. 
He will answer you according to the motive of the words. Anyone who does not truly love God, who does not truly serve God, his motive will be wrong. You can get it right. But when a person is lost after God, he has lost into God, he sees God with all his heart, his motive will always be to glorify God. So God will give you everything. So, if you write down this, in chapter 7, 2 Chronicles 1 to 19, God appeared to Moses. To, to Solomon. Sorry, God appeared to, yeah, to Solomon. Second appearance. After God gave him the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, he built the temple of the Lord when it was dedicated in 2 Chronicles 7, 1 to 19. God appeared to him again. You know, there is something in that, sex, that second appearance. You know, the first appearance was by the instruction of his father. He followed and then in this second appearance, look at what God said to him. Verse 12 says, The Lord, no, let me read from verse 11. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and his royal palace, and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord, and in his, his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night, and said, I have had... Your prayer, and have chosen this place for myself. So Solomon was a prayerful man. I've chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among the people, if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves. This is God speaking principles now. If you can humble yourself and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Isn't this interesting? Verse 15 says, Now my eyes will be opened and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. Now, look at verse 17. I want us to take 17 to heart very, very much. God is speaking the first one to everybody. Let's read 17 together. What did you say? Okay, stop now. How many headquarters are here? I cannot hear you. Shall we read that scripture together? So God has spoken to everybody. My people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray in this temple, in the church. I will hear them I will, and they can repent from their wicked ways. I will hear, hear them and heal the land. But God now said, as for you as a person. You as a person, each one of you that is sitting here or hearing me, if you walk before me, the father was the one who first spoke to him. Now God is speaking to him. 
Haven't God made him grace? Haven't God blessed him with knowledge and wisdom? Yet, God is telling him to walk before him. Why would God say to a man that is walking before him to walk before him? You know Solomon is walking before God. That is the reason why God was appeared to him. Then God appeared to him again. And then within that period, God made him great. God gave him wisdom. He gave him knowledge. He had wealth. He, had, he, was, he became the most knowledgeable king. Really, man under heaven in his time. People came from all over the world to seek for his wisdom. And yet, God is standing before him who seek God. As for you. The reason is because it is easier to be faithful when you have nothing. When you have no wealth, some of you, if we close church and we say we are going, you will beg us, can I just sleep a night for VG? When there is no VG, you will be asking for VG. Because you don't have money in your pocket. Okay? You are still begging God. When we pray, your prayer will be the loudest. Fast, yeah, yeah, marathon. Even when all of us want to eat, you will tell us that if nobody fasts, I will have, I will fast for everybody. You will read the word. You will be in Bible study. You will be in prayer meeting. You will be in evangelism. But when God blesses you, where will you be? His words. Whenever God says something, there is, there is, I mean, behind the words of God is an ocean of understanding. God said to him, as for you, if you walk before me, and this guy is walking before God anyway, as David, my fa- your, your father did, and do all I command, and observe my decrees and laws, what did God say we do? Verse 18, shall we read together? I will... Now understand this, and this has to do with you, and when you grow older, your children, and those of you who are parents now, you. Your obeying God will affect your children. It will affect your children's children. If you are faithful to God, God will mark that, uh, that uh, family, and God will always pick somebody out from among your offspring that will be faithful. But it begins from somebody. It begins from somebody. Listen to me. But what God always does is that He will make your son greater than you and will make your child's child greater than him. Understand this, therefore. Your faithfulness to God will affect your generation down like all of you who are in your 30s now. 17 years ago, you were in your, who knows, teens. Isn't it? Some of you, 25 years ago, you were here. 20 years ago, you were here. I was looking at some photographs of some of you when you were picking flowers on the street. Hey, as a little baby, and you are here. Come over, let's go. You come to the church, and I saw you are jumping all over the whole place and rolling on the floor. In uh, All Saints Church. Then in, in New Cross, some of you, when they brought you for dedication, I saw your photographs. But today, you are in gainful employment. Do you know what? One day, God will make some of you CEOs of big organizations. Judges will come out from among you. Men who will rule and who will speak in the house of parliament, in the house of lords, will come out from among you. But in those days when God has comforted you, that is when this applies. For you. And God said, if you can walk before me as your father did. 
Serve the Lord your God with wholehearted devotion. Alright? Not pick and choose the service you come. Knowing fully well that the older generation will hand over to you and you must be up to the task. If in this time you are picking and choosing what to do, if we appoint you to, to run the church, you won't know what to do because you are not always there. You must treat yourself as the next generation that will take the vision if Jesus starts to the ends of the earth. As apostle is among you today, you all are happy, you talk about apostle and all stuff. If apostle dies tomorrow morning, Will your, and your, your, will, will your thinking be in line that, ah, it's finished. All of us are finished. We are over. So you turn to Israel. And say, well, apostle is not here. What are you talking about? Apostle is just not here. Or will you be like those of Jesus Christ, who after Jesus Christ has ascended, they say, shall we go into the upper room and pray and tarry for the promise of the Father which he has spoken through the Son? And they locked up themselves they did not scatter. They prayed and prayed because they heard what Jesus said when he was with them. And they knew the promise he had made. And they stood by the word, the promise. And they prayed themselves into the power. And in chapter 2 of Acts, it says, And when the day of Holy Ghost, of the, of the, when the day of Pentecost has fully come, they were together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like a rushing wind busted from the heavens and came upon them, the tongue like fire. And they began to speak a new tongue. And they began to do greater than Jesus did. One sermon, 3,000 people were saved. Second time they went to the temple, the, the cripple and the beautiful girl was healed. The church went to 5,000. And God began to use them, young men. Old men among them. People who were just ordinary members, apostles, and the rest of them who were members of the church. Like Philip went to Samaria and the whole of Samaria was thrown upside down. That is what you ought to be. To be that, you have to worship God like your father did. You have to acknowledge the God of your father. You have to serve him with wholehearted devotion. You have to have this in mind that if your father leaves, you will take over. So in his lifetime, you must do what he does. You must not dissociate yourself from your spiritual father. This is not a house, I can be proud of this. This is not a house where somebody can come into the pulpit and intimidate you. No, 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 no. There is nobody who can tell you a story about God that you have not heard from me. Nobody can tell you an encounter in God that you have not, it's not been familiar with me. You have a legacy in this house. And this is what God is saying to David, eh, to, to Solomon. That's what God is saying to him. You know, I've met a good number of ministers and they tell me, you know, they have this and they have that, they want to come and do this and stuff. When I open my mouth and tell them the structure of CFT, what we are doing, they say, what? What? Is this happening? I say, come over and see. Even today I was talking with a minister who came with good conscience and with, you know, ministry to help the church. Because he's been going from church to church, setting up evangelism team for them and all stuff like that. I haven't heard him all what he said. Beautiful, good, you know, ministry. I said, let me tell you about Christ with Tabernacle because I, I'm not sure whether you know about this church. He said, no, I don't have much information. I said, okay, let's talk. And I began to tell him about the church. I, I only spoke one quarter of what I want to tell him. He said, Apostle, this is too much. He said, I have never met any church like this. I began by telling him, the Lord told me to build a church after the pattern of the book of Acts. Taking over for Jesus because he takes the church of the book of Acts to prepare the coming of the Son. 
If it was the book of Acts that ushered the beginning of the church, certainly the church that will bring back the manifestation must be completely a replica of the book of Acts. And I told him, even today, the youth went to the uh, old people's home and they gave me a report. It's outreach. They, I told him yesterday, the youth were on the streets, you know, preaching the word. We have a program called Let Me Introduce You to Jay. And when they interacted with the people, the people got saved. And some of them came to the church right from the road. Listen to me, therefore. You cannot exempt yourself from the move of this power. A good number of you are right on the steering wheel. And I'm happy for that. When I look at those of you who have been moving as God has been speaking and have been instructing you, it gives my heart joy. I go everywhere in the world and I'm proud of you. I boast of you. Some minister told me sometimes that, you know, you are going all over the world to preach in the land of, of wicked people where they worship devils. They will attack your church. I say, I don't have a church. They say, what are you talking about? What about your church in London? I say, I don't have a church. Because when Jesus sent me, he told me, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I don't have a church, but I have a people of God that the devil cannot mess around with. I said, let your devil go to London. He will not return back to Nigeria. I guarantee you, they will arrest him till I come. <clears throat> oh, yes. But what I'm saying to you today is this. You see some of you are manifesting. Everybody should jump into the boats. Every one of you should follow the course. Every one of you should come together as a team and run with the course. Solomon could not be blessed if he did not acknowledge the God of his father. The reason why many Christians are not blessed today, a good number of them all over the world have no father. Who is a father? I will show you tomorrow. The Bible says that David prepared everything ready for Solomon. That is a father. A father will have contact with God. And he can teach his people the way of the God of Israel. He can live a life among the people that the people might follow. And God was saying to Solomon that this is the legacy. If you follow, I will establish you. You see what he says? Go to verse 18. We are almost finished. He says, I will establish your royal throne. And as I covenanted with David your father, when I said, you shall never fail to have a man to rule over Israel. This is the covenant God made with me. When Jesus appeared to me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a happy man. <laughs> I am a happy man. Not because I have billions of, of, of pounds selling, but because Jesus appeared to me. I can tell you like you read in the Bible. When he appeared to me, you were in the covenant. And in my lifetime, he's fulfilling every one of you. And I'm seeing you manifesting, fulfilling, going beyond what I'm able to. And that is my joy. That is my joy. Listen to me. You have not been called to a church that the head is blind. I see. I was very happy when I was discussing with that brother, that minister today. I said, the Lord Jesus has appeared to me several times since the period I've been a minister. And I said, the last time he appeared to me was 17th of June, last month. Uh, uh, this last June. Wow. Yes. Yes. I told you in the month of May, I'm expecting him again. And in June, on June 17, 2015, here he comes. And I told you what he told me. I told you what he showed me. And it's you. I saw you in this encounter. Therefore, listen to me. Acknowledge the God of your father. 
But you see, having God blessed Solomon and made him great. Okay? Solomon disobeyed God. He turned away from God. When you get to him, read 1 Kings 10, 23 to 39. It says in 23, King Solomon was great in riches and wisdom than all the other kings on the earth. God would distinct you among the churches in this world. I cannot hear you say amen. I say CFT will be distinct among churches or not. Someone says that am I selfish? Yes, I am. <laughs> Hallelujah. I am very selfish. And you know, when I speak to you as CFT, every PVM church are part of the family. In a family, you have people who have you have people with various names, isn't it? So when I talk to you, I'm talking to all the PVM churches globally. You will be distinct. Now, let me show you something. Solomon, having God blessed him so much, you will expect that this man will just die a celebrated man. God blessed him so much, made all his enemies at his foes too. He was so handsome by the anointing, so beautiful to the extent that the Bible was describing his beauty sometime. And I understand from the Bible that he looks dark. He looks more African. Solomon. Beautiful. 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 Very intelligent. He wrote law. He wrote botany. He wrote zoology. He wrote several education. And people were coming Bind before him. But look at what happened to his ending. First Kings 11 verse 1. It says King Solomon however loved many foreign women. King Solomon however did what? I can't. Let's read that verse together. And then let's read verse 2. Then verse 6. 6. Verse 6. Can you see that? God blessed him more than David. And he disobeyed God by marrying those who are not Christians. God will work it out. Anointing can cover it. All those kind of stuff. The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. If you befriend a non-Christian for husband or wife, you cannot stop Satan from being your father-in-law. How many of you want to pay dowry to the devil? (laughs) Hallelujah. Satan 
I mean, Solomon disobeyed God. What happens when a man disobeys God? 1 Kings 11.14. Let's read together. I can't hear you read this. So the enemies that was under him, God raised them to overpower him. When a man dishonors God, what did David say? He says God will reject him. If you turn away from him, he will reject you forever. So you must know this, no matter how much you are anointed, don't play games with God. God raised adversary for Solomon. And when God raised an adversary against a man who is blessed, all his blessings are out of the window. He was supposed to enjoy his life till death. But this time is towards his old age. He had ridden on God's mercy and grace. He had been obedient to God and God blesses him. So therefore, in conclusion, your destiny is sure, written by God. You will only fulfill it if you wholeheartedly serve God. Don't allow Satan to deceive you so that you follow the pattern of the world. Whenever a Christian goes out of God, God is adversary against him. That is when tragedies begin to happen and unusual things begin to happen and all the ways are frustrated and the person is now mourning and crying and stuff like that. You cannot afford to waste one day of your life. You cannot afford to follow the world pattern because if you do so, God will raise Satan to deal with you in the world. Nobody out of church who went to the world got it easy. Look at all those people who are top celebrity, worldly musicians. They started in church and then Satan introduced money to them and told them to start singing satanic songs. Many of them end up in suicide. May you not end up bad. Say after me, serve the Lord, the God of your father. With wholehearted devotion, stand upon your feet. We're going to pray for one another. The first prayer we're going to pray is that God will give us a wholehearted devotion to Him.